I'm Emily Kyle and this is Local. This is a conversation with multidisciplinary artist, aka monster whisperer and poet, Caitlin Foster. Caitlin is currently situated in South Australia, finding and befriending mainland monsters. Caitlin and I recorded while she was in Queenstown with Tim. Again, I had a terrible cold, but Caitlin filled me with renewed energy. Okay, so we should start at the beginning. Where did you grow up? Can you tell me about your family? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, I was born in Townsville in Queensland, and I lived there for all of two weeks before <laughs> um, moving to New Zealand. But I moved actually to a small mining town in the Pilbara in Western Australia called Tom Price. Oh, yes. Yeah. I've heard of it. Yeah. Have you? Yes. I um, When I was young, uh, I used to live in uh, Port Hedland. Oh, no way. Yeah. Oh. How crazy is that? It's yeah. not too far. No, not too far. But pretty far. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I lived, I moved there when just before turning one, and I lived there for five years. So my first memories are in Tom Price, which is, yeah, pretty pretty nice, pretty different first memories, very hot. Very hot. And the thing that I remember the most about WA was the, the colour of the earth, that yeah. really vibrant red yeah. earth. <laughs> yeah, we had a, a black dog but we always thought it was like semi-red black dog <laughs> until we moved away and went, oh, it was the dirt. <laughs> yeah, um, I even I took some of that red dirt with me when I left. Oh, did just you? Just as a memory because it's just so prominent in that area. It is, yeah. It's, um, it's hard to even try to explain to someone who hasn't been there and hasn't seen it mm. and just and all of the 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 dust and the dry sort of heat but then it's interesting too because I remember how quickly the earth would turn to clay very sticky and muddy when it got wet yeah in the in the rainy season yeah in the summer yeah. I don't actually really know. I'm like, yeah, my memory is great. Rainy <laughs> season. I don't even know if that's true. I left when I was six. So, you know, they're, they're pretty vague memories, but they are yeah. some of my first memories. So, yeah. And then I moved to, um, to Perth. To Perth. Yeah, which was a huge contrast, um, just being a city, you know, and it felt cool. Mm. I remember going there and thinking, oh, gee, it's really cold here, which yeah. is funny because now if I go to Perth, I'm like, oh, man, it's so hot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I lived there for two years and then my family um, all drove to Tasmania when, when I just before I turned eight. I just am I'm, I'm really kind of struck with um, how similar our 
childhoods were actually because uh, my family through moving around and shifting all over the mainland we had a two-person caravan um it was my uh nana my gramps uh my mum and I this two-person caravan and through all of this moving around from coast to coast we we traveled the entire of the Australian coast when we went to Western Australia we went up the top and then when we came back we went down the bottom so all of this driving and um it's a bit of a trip I think when you're a kid and you're driving such a long distance yeah it's um yeah it kind of blows you away it feels really surreal yeah yeah it was just so many long roads and you just you know you're looking out the window for so long and it's just a lot of information yeah yeah I think too you know just it's a this vast sort of desert landscape is really intense. Yeah, I remember getting to Tasmania and we I just feel like we, we got here on the boat in the car and I just blinked and suddenly we were in Hobart and that was it. We'd just driven down the middle of, like of, oh, from the top wow. to the bottom of Tassie and I just went, what? <laughs> <laughs> it took so long to get through the other states and here it was just taking yeah. just a Tiny bit of time to get from the top to the bottom of Tassie. So were you in Hobart for the rest of the time or did you move around a little bit more? Um, No, we've just been in Tassie since in a few different houses but we haven't left Tassie. My dad moved back to Perth. Um, He's actually moved back from Perth again. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, it just, I think, yeah, just, just here. Just here. Yeah. Yeah. And what's um what's your family like? Your mum and your dad? I um yeah, I'm pretty happy to grow up with the family that that I have. I've got an older sister and a younger sister and um yeah, my parents are pretty pretty amazing too. I think that they're probably one of the big reasons why I'm so into art because my mum's a teacher and she got taught how to, you know, help kids with their creativity just by giving them all the different materials and just letting them go for mm. it. And we had a room in all the different houses that we've lived in. We've always had a room that is that is just for art and we always called it the, uh, the drawing room. Which oh, <laughs> I love that. That's pretty funny. Yeah. And uh, we'd always spend so much time in the drawing room just with all the different suppliers that were there doing different things. I remember one of our favourite games when we were younger was because we didn't really get many. We got dolls but we got them maybe once a year for our birthday or for Christmas. So if we wanted to play with more things but we didn't have much variety, we had this game called Paper People (laughs) and we'd go into the drawing room and we'd make little people and we'd write their name and what age they were on the back. And I remember you'd get halfway through a game and you'd think, oh, we're at a school now, we need a teacher, but we better quickly, let's pause the game, we'll draw a teacher, maybe you draw the principal, okay. And we'd do that and then we'd get back to the game. But, yeah. Oh, I love it, paper people. Yeah, paper people. I think we've still got them somewhere, the paper people. It's pretty funny to whip them out and see, you know, Oh, uh, there's Moo Moo, 200 years old. Like, <laughs> <laughs> who the hell is that? <laughs> Where do they come from? There's a few aliens in the mix too. They're mainly people, but yeah. 
Oh, oh my gosh, aliens, aliens and humans. Yeah. So you didn't suffer from the middle child syndrome? No, I don't think so. I really, I really enjoyed being the middle child. I felt quite special, you know, because mm. uh, everyone knows that the oldest has it a bit hard because, you know, they're the first ones. The parents are just like figuring it out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and then the younger ones are, you know, usually spoiled and I, my sister would hate me saying she's spoiled. She's lovely as well. We, we all love her, but we all know she's a little bit spoiled. So <laughs> I kind of like, you know, just being in the middle a bit. Um, yeah, maybe I gave my – definitely out of the three of us gave my parents the most – the most uh, strife and um, they still like me <laughs> after oh, I was such a, you know – a little bit um, not very well behaved for a few, like, yeah, early years of my life I had tantrums and then, like, late teens wasn't the best either, I think. So <laughs> I'm actually very appreciative that they still that they still like me. <laughs> oh, you know, I think that it's to be expected. And I also, I don't know, maybe this is a damaging thought, but... There's something about about girls. I just, I mean, puberty is it's rough. It's so rough, and there's <laughs> so much happening. I <sighs> think that you know, it, it's impossible for the parent-child relationship to move that through that experience unscathed. Oh, it's just, I felt so sorry for them at some points. Oh, me too. I look back and I just think, wow, wow. Three teenage girls in one house. Oh, your poor dad. It's <laughs> so rough. And and your and your poor mum. Yeah, well <laughs> well when when we were teenagers we were, it was um my parents were separated, so a lot of time just like <laughs> them having to deal with us on their own. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Yeah, well, no, it's okay. We were all right. We're okay. We all love yeah. each other now. That's all that counts. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's those difficult uh, difficult experiences that forge really strong relationships. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to love your sibling, don't you? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's in the contract. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it like growing up in Hobart? Oh, uh, well, yeah, it was it was um it was so different coming from Perth to Hobart. It just it felt sm- it felt quite small. Yeah. Yeah, I I when I first saw Launceston, I was just seeing all of these other cities. I thought this is not a city. Yeah. Though. This yeah. is just sort of like a like it was just like a, a town. Big, really big suburb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a big town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with, a, with a mountain. Well, that's Hobart has a mountain. Well, yeah, no, but Launceston has distant mountains. Yeah. Yeah, but so what um, – did you did you enjoy it? Did you enjoy school in Hobart? Yeah, I, I loved um, moving to Tasmania. It was – I think the cold was a bit of a shock, but once I got over that, um, it was just awesome, like – it was it was we've lived in a few different towns in around Hobart area and it's just there's just lovely people in Tasmania I think because it's 
I was talking about this the other day. It's not we're not renowned for our nightlife, like going <laughs> to Berlin or Melbourne or something like that. So mm. if you've got a long weekend coming up, no one's gonna flock to the clubs. Everyone's gonna go to the national parks because that's what we've got. Yeah, I love that, and I think that that's so true throughout the state. It's um, before coming to the West Coast, before coming to Tasmania, you know. It was, it's so drastically different, I think, in the cities and even in the suburbs. And you come here and people really, really picnic and they have these really wholesome adventures. And something about going to a friend's house with all of your other friends for games night feels really special and mm. and I know that I, I feel like I'm saying things that happen everywhere but there's a quality to it here that is it's hard to explain you know it just it feels really something that I feel it would be more prevalent 20 years ago than it is now generally yeah it's almost like we're a bit behind yeah and, and we're losing touch of these communities in big cities and because Tasmania is smaller, maybe we've got more of a sense of community. I think so. An adventure, an exploration. Yes, definitely. Everyone prides themselves on, you know, how many camping trips they've yeah. done, how many mountains <laughs> they've climbed. It's a really nice, you know, mentality. It is, it is. So when did, um, when did you start painting? In the uh, drawing room? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've, uh, I've always... Painted. I've just, I've just been so lucky, you know. I've just always had access to those supplies. Yeah. So ever since I can remember, I've been drawing and painting and cutting out, and sticking things together, and creating, creating characters that I can play with. There's always a narrative behind my characters. Mm. There's always, they're always there for a reason, so that they can talk to some other characters, so that I can have a story in my head. To entertain myself. All those paper people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So all of these characters that you create, they're quite, the ones that I've seen are, they are incredibly whimsical. You know, I think I said this to you yesterday. They are whimsical, but there, there's also something, there's a darkness and, um, they don't, they don't feel two-dimensional as characters, you know, just as you were saying about having, having this backstory, having this narrative. They don't, they do have dark and light in them. Even the um, mural that you just did of the two, the two creatures, these huge-looking creatures having coffee. Yeah. There's, uh, e even in, in that, it's very social and it's joyous, but there's also something... I don't want to say sinister, but it's something that's just left of centre, you know, some underlying tension. Yeah, definitely. I, um, I, I used to get quite stressed and anxious and I think I learned how to channel that into drawings. So I think if I didn't, if I didn't have this, I, I'd probably be a completely different person. <laughs> probably wouldn't be able to leave the bloody house. <laughs> <laughs> so the characters take the attention on for you? Yeah, they really do. They they give me a bit of control mm. in in some ways. It's um, they've yeah they've 
they, I used to think that my, when I used to describe, say, back in, in year 11 and 12 when I was just starting to work on, you know, what is being an artist, what is having mm. a practice, oh, I have to talk about it, what do I say? Yeah. <laughs> I'd say, you know, it's all subconscious. It comes from my subconscious mind. I don't think about what I'm going to do before I do it. I just start painting and then it all comes out, which is still kind of true. My, mm. A lot of the time, even if I do have a plan, about what I'm going to paint it just it will always evolve and kind of come into its own as I'm doing it kind Mm. of without my control as much as I'd like to say that I do you know think of the ideas it's it just all comes out so differently I, I feel that really really deeply sometimes I think that the you know you've got your hands and you're making you're making this thing and you think that you're in control but then all of a sudden it's its own thing and it's doing whatever it wants to do. Yeah. So, like, you've brought this, it's alive now and you can't fully control it anymore. Yeah, and there's that point when you're doing it and it just wakes up and it's just there in front of you and you suddenly know where it's going and you go, oh, my gosh, that's it, there it is. Yeah. It's come to life. Yeah. But, yeah, it's all kind of, so I went from thinking that it was completely unconscious and, you know, from this part of my mind that I didn't really know and I I I would every time I painted I'd just kind of just do that just not think just go up and paint and I did a lot of murals and a lot of monsters mm. everywhere and I remember there was this there was this point where I was staying with I was couch surfing in Liverpool and this person wanted to start an art residency where I was staying because they were an artist and their art was beautiful just really, really nice and they'd done lots of exhibitions around England and stuff and and in different countries too actually. But um, they really wanted to invite me back for a art residency when they had it up and running and I, I was still a bit, you know, just kind of living under a rock half, like kind of, you know, just travelling around the place not really knowing what, what so I had to be explained what an art residency was, which is kind of funny because now I've done one, you know. But, um, yeah, he, he said to me, you know, I'd love to have you back for this and do an exhibition, but it would be really great to see a little bit more depth behind your work, to see, you know, just where it comes from. And mm. So it was funny. We had that discussion in the morning over a coffee and then I went out that day walking around Liverpool with this huge list of things to do because there were all these, um, there were actually all these free galleries in Liverpool. It was amazing, just like a... Really cool city. I didn't even ex- – I went there because I'm a bit of a Beatles fan and <laughs> I ended up just not even doing any of the Beatles stuff really. I just went to all these galleries. There were so, so many cool ones, you know. <sighs> but I didn't really make it that far because I just was thinking about, you know, where my art came from. And as I was walking through the, the streets, you, I just you could hear the noise of construction sites echoing through the streets, and I could hear engines. And because it's mm. it's a it's a port city, so it's very busy. There's big boats that come in, and then there's there's lots of development that's happening. And I just I just kept stopping and taking these deep breaths, and then writing down all these poems and all these ideas. And suddenly, these subconscious monsters that I had been working on for all these years I could 
I could see them, I could see what they were and it, it was all these mechanical monsters around me that the construction sites were all monsters, the cars were all monsters, everything that was a machine was 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 a mechanical monster and the the engines were, were their noises, you know, their, their roars. And um, it's just, it's taken me off on this this crazy journey and narrative and now it was really exciting and I just got kept getting stuck on the footpath writing these poems about the roars of the monsters and ideas and stories and it's just taken me off on this crazy narrative and now my whole art practice is based on this narrative and this story that is just growing. I had a thought. Yeah. So the thought is, you know, we're talking about these anxieties that you experience. Yeah. And realising in that moment that it was these these huge mechanical beings that were the monsters. I think there's something really interesting about that in that I think sound plays an incredible role in playing on people's anxieties. Mm. I feel like something about sound and size, these when we look at earth movers or cranes, these they're incredibly formidable. And then we, as these humans, think that we can just jump in and control these machines that are lifting tons or moving tons of earth and it's crazy and it and also that these machines generally are continually used to continually build up these cities which is making everything the spaces smaller and smaller and smaller yeah so I think that I can and they're closing in around us yes so we pull these minerals out of the ground and we make huge machines out of them and we think that we're controlling them but they're just getting bigger and bigger and they're causing so much detriment, you know, to the environment, mm. to us that mentally, physically. It's, it's just crazy. And right down to the little machines, the phones, What's that, what's that doing to our brains, you know? I feel like there's an article that comes out every 10 seconds about, you know, your phone gives you uh, breast cancer, brain tumours, oh. and then Russian spies and... Oh, don't even... <laughs> <laughs> Just sit here and have a panic attack right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm really... Um, yeah, if you spend any time with me, you would just glaze over as I start talking about technology. It sucks. Oh, I'm so scared of it. Blah blah blah. <laughs> I think with good reason. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm 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 completely stressed out about the whole thing, and I think that is why I need to create this narrative and put it into a um, metaphorical context. Well, with some social commentary and representation, just mm. to give myself a little bit more control <laughs> even though it's I've got absolutely no control but at least I can make this world show the monsters that I see everything as and just you know put it out there I'm I'm trying to write this story at the moment and mm-hmm. every every um bit of art that I do is relevant to the story so it's it's great actually it's um it, it's been I thought I would be spending all last year doing it but I actually spent all last year doing different things like exhibitions and projects that are all relevant so the world is just growing and I'm just gathering so much depth 
towards it and just my my perception of, of what it is and where it's going and well it takes time it takes so much time to understand a, a character a creature a human being just one so yeah to be creating a world where these monsters exist and that and also you know just what I was saying before about how and this is just my perception but they it's not you don't necessarily portray them as being these evil creatures I mean we say monsters but they're quite delightful to look at (laughs) these ugly evil angry things that you know they're not horrific Mm. Not at least not what I've seen. Well, if I'm doing it in a public um, space, yeah. I can't. <laughs> I have to make it not too scary. <laughs> there, even um, I'm thinking back to uh, Brain Grain. Oh yeah, and um, in a way they were those those faces. In a way they were slightly unsettling, but there's an inherent empathy. I think you look at them and you feel for them yeah I don't know oh that's nice I think it it probably would do something different to most people and some people might not even think anything just like oh yeah face bunch of faces cool (laughs) (laughs) what's next (laughs) so how many can you talk a little bit about some of these characters in the in the book okay yeah well if you want um I'm it's so funny. I've been so indecisive with names for them, and I've got I've got two um, kind of main characters that I've been working on, and I've always known that there is a main. And even before I knew that it was going, the story was going to progress into the world where they meet the mechanical monsters and figure out what it's all about. Uh, it started off a little bit more shallow than that, and it was just kind of about this character that. Um, lived amongst a bunch of other characters and pushed boundaries and stuff, and kind of gets away from the other characters by accident just by going a bit too far, pushing it a little bit too hard and breaking away accidentally and being terrified as a result. But then deciding, you know, coming back and then deciding, actually, I think I want to go back to where I pushed the boundaries and I want to go and explore and see and see what I can do in this space that terrifies me. I think that's all I'm going to say. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's so juicy. I, there's so much I could tell you oh right now. Gosh. I'm really, but, I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah, the funny thing is that I, I built the first part of that story, that I did, the bit that I just described, like I said, before I came up with the mechanical monsters and stuff, and I didn't realise that it, it was going to be so long. So I, I, I started working on that, but all last year I was just working on like the sequels, you know, what was coming, what were the mechanical monsters were doing. And I came here for the residency in Queenstown and I, I looked at all the museums of the mining and the old mining trucks and one of which was called the Bogger. Mm. And that's when I came up with the Bogger character and I thought of all the stories that those machines can do and what they have done to the environment around them and how that can be incorporated in this crazy metaphorical world that I'm doing Mm. and how my main character can come along and find them and what they do about that. And so it's funny because I thought, yeah, I'll come back and I'll really um, get this first story down and I just have been 
just off on a tangent and the what's to come rather than just, you know, focusing on the first one because there's all these things around me that that I'm just getting and taking and using as inspiration. Yeah, well, I think, you know, last year at the show, at the group show, uh, I remember you feeling apprehensive to sort of even say. Yeah, I know. That you were. I know. But so much has changed. You're well, so you're so alive. So alive and excited about your project. <laughs> I mean, I I always kind of I have been really excited about the project for a while. But I think at that point, people were like, "Hey, Lynn, you're talking about your project all the time. And <laughs> we're not saying anything about it." And now I'm like, "Well, you know, you might not say anything, but a small to it than you think, you know." <laughs> I'm doing much more than you realise. It's happening in my head every second of every day. <laughs> yeah, so much of it. So much of it happens inside your brain. I know. You think that I'm not doing anything? My brain ticks at 100 a paces a bloody hour. <laughs> it's hard to stop doing stuff. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you um... Your poetry as well is, um, it's yeah, it's really incredible how the poetry and these drawings just fit so perfectly together. Yeah, it's um, it's funny. It's something that I think I've always kind of had. You know, it's um, this world it, with the made up creatures and the made up words. Uh, it draws back to when I was in kindergarten and I had to repeat the year because I made up my own language and no one could understand <laughs> me. So I just, I think the more, you know, the the further I delve into my art practice, the more I think I need to bring this back from my childhood because this is where the world, the world's origin is. It's some, it's always been there. And I, it was a lot more subconscious before, but now I'm, you know, trying to really figure it out. Yeah, really. bring it to the surface. Yeah. So are the... Machines, the machine monsters, are they inherently evil or bad or are their makers the ones imbuing them with the badness? So it's it's hard to say because um, obviously we use machines every day and there's some that really are important and really help us. So I, I guess... Um, at the beginning, it could they could be very overwhelming and scary for our character, but mm. um, our character definitely learns a lot more about them. Mm. And before okay, I say, I'll give you a little sneaky. <laughs> um, uh, he befriends a machine, and he actually works with this machine throughout the story. Wow! But it's a um, it's it's a neglected machine, so that's why they they form them friendship oh I love that and it's so is it still a children's story yeah I hope so actually I really do I everyone keeps up I did a um exhibition um recently with a Van D it's a portable um it's a mobile exhibition space gallery oh wow that's fantastic yeah really cool really um amazing woman uh, Emily who um wow. curates and owns the exhibition I'm so happy to be involved with her but um we 
we set up this exhibition and, and it was kind of behind a curtain. I did a three-dimensional kind of projection of one of the scenes in the story and people would come in and say, oh, it looks a bit scary to be a, a children's book. I don't know if I'd be let my kids look at that. <laughs> and I, I think that, people under, I think a lot of people underestimate children. Man, children's movies and books are freaking horrifying. Scary. I don't think I could look at some of them that I used to watch. I'd get too scared. No, I, you know, one that comes to mind for me a lot is The Land Before Time. Oh, yeah. When Littlefoot's mother dies in the first one. Oh. And it's this and it's this huge battle scene with this horrifying T-Rex, you know, and this this um Brachiosaurus mother trying to save her baby and and dying. It's awful. Yeah. It's, it's mm, and I think that in a space of um, intense imagination, which is where you are, it's there's so much more whimsy yeah. than these very some of these films that are just so straight to the heart. And also, I mean, these games that kids play now. Oh my god, I know, and that is, um, that's all on technology as well isn't it it's all in front of a tv and and kids are just this they're seeing phones as this amazing thing because they're everyone around it around them is using it you go to parks and you see the parents are constantly on the phones in front of their Mm. kids and stuff and they're just seeing this as this amazing device that everyone uses and I'd love to kind of metaphorically you know in this in this crazy world show these different machines like phones and different things that we use every day as evil. Just mm. so if you're a young kid and you're um, looking at this book, that kind of comes across a little bit differently to what we see it as every day. Because, again, we use phones every day and they're very important, but there's lots about them that are very detrimental to even brain development in kids. And it's it's scary that it is that kids are not getting what they used to with you know just a completely free imagination, free of screens, free of um, just kind of all the all the stuff that they can constant like instant gratification and oh my gosh yes instant gratification. I think that there's something. This is a little bit off topic. There's something that I found really jarring recently. It was just a really, it was a stray thought. All of these photographs, you know, when you, if you're on Facebook or, and um, I have, because I'm a mum, I have other mum friends. And it's this constant stream of photographs of the children. Mm. And I just, I had this stray thought that was this, this phone can, the phone's consuming the the content, consuming yeah. the child yeah. through oh this my constant monitoring of their and it was and it was unsettling. Yeah, there's this new generation that they've got they've got all the documentations of every moment of a person's life. Yeah. It's just yeah, it's I have to ask, do you have 
and maybe I'm shooting in the dark here, but do you have a favourite, favourite's probably the wrong word, but conspiracy phone, phone? Oh, I didn't know. Don't get me started. (laughs) Honestly, I don't, I don't want to sound like a crazy person. (laughs) I don't usually share my conspiracies. I'm very scared of phones. Maybe we just don't go there today. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yeah, do you have a phone? Uh, yeah, I have a phone. Um, I don't. Um, is it a Nokia? It is. How do you know? <laughs> <laughs> I love a good Nokia. I think the best thing about having a. Everyone said that, that that phone is so bad. Why don't you just get rid of it already? And I said, this is the the reason why I like it because if I had a phone that worked better, then I'd have more dependency to it. But just. The, because I have such a bad phone that I'm not constantly using it. And when I every time I use it, it's a battle because it just takes so long to load and anything will work. It shuts off all the time. Okay, important questions. Is it a full-on brick Nokia or is it with the snake game or is it a newer Nokia? It is, a, it is a newer Nokia. Uh, I've been Does asked to review it snake? before and I usually review it as zero stars. <laughs> 100% do not recommend. Um, it's probably the most stupid smartphone there ever was. It's like it's pretending to be a smartphone but it's it's doing a, a shocking job at it. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, I, every time I have to do anything on it because I, I got an Instagram account to um, kind of get my art out there last year. Yeah. So I thought, oh, yeah, I better, you know, give it give it a bit of a go. Yeah. But um Do you it, use your phone to do that? It's a huge chore, but I do. <gasps> it takes a really long time. I usually I'll click onto Instagram. It might take um on a good day 30 seconds to load. And then if I'm uploading the picture, it's just big loading in between every single different task that I have to do. Oh, yeah, that sounds awful. No, but it's great. It's, it's great. great. It's good it's because I know that if I if I had it differently, I'd probably just have – even though I know that I don't want to have a dependency and be addicted, I would because it's got all of that it, – it's it's made to get you hooked. So I, I'm glad that I have – At least you have to work for it this way. Exactly. It feels like a job. It's like, yep, I'm, yes. I'm doing an Instagram post of a thing because – I, I should do that to be doing, I don't know, yep, but I'm, it's going to be hard. <laughs> so Tim said that he is uh, off social media. Yeah, good on him. Does he have a smartphone? Yeah, it's got a smartphone. It's it's almost at the same level as mine. It keeps it um, starts off at 100% battery and within about 30 minutes it's down to 2%. We're a great team. I feel, I honestly feel really inspired. <laughs> the amount of times that I've gotten an email, you know, at nine o'clock at night and, you know, I might be just sitting with Henry or whatever we're doing. You shouldn't be working at nine o'clock at night. No, but you've got you these know, bloody things in, they, their, in your pocket and they yell at you. They're constantly. like, look at me, look at me, listen to me, look at me. I do see them as monsters and they have big eyeballs that look at you constantly and they have ears that listen to you constantly and they're, and they're always whining at you. You think kids are annoying? Well, then think about phones. They're constantly beeping at you trying to get your attention and they always win. They always do. 
Put it away. <laughs> Get rid of it. 100%. A lot of your murals are really large scale. Yeah. What What is that like? What is it like to work on such a large scale? I, I, I just feel like street art is so, so foreign to me. <laughs> and to be to be working, to be creating, bringing these large monsters into the world, what does it feel like? It feels really cool. Yeah, I love it. It's uh, it's nice to see something in in that kind of um, space in kind of coming to life. It really does come come to life, and it's these these creatures that are constantly swimming around my head, and to be able to see them up on a wall, you know. But, so big is awesome I can't wait to do some more although it does get very tiring to create them I just did one and it was on the rare warm day that we ever have in Tassie you know (laughs) and it was just um it got so I got so sweaty and so tired just there doing it for hours but it is so rewarding and very fun but there are moments where I go oh my god why am I trying to do something so big (laughs) There's something really cathartic about getting this th- these things, you know, whatever it is, whatever person, out of your body. Yeah, it really does feel like that. It's like weight lifts off me when it, when I can bring some of these monsters to life. As we've been talking about this, the mechanical monsters, I think too uh, the idea of institution. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> makes us like very monstrous. Yeah, it just puts it. It just make, puts us back into that same category as a machine. You know, yeah, we're all just part of it. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's inescapable. Yeah, but it, it's nice not to conform in in a sense. You know, not to think, okay, well, you know, it's okay. I'm gonna gonna try to do this art thing a different way. I drop out of fine arts and go travel and try to learn a little bit that way and I think I did I think I learned lots of interesting things that I might not have learned during my years at art school Uh, there's definitely a lot of things that I could have learned if I stuck with my uh, degree because I look at a lot of people that have graduated and I think well good job that's Mm. awesome you've learned all these great things but I also think that um I don't know. It could have it could have crushed me a bit. I might not have had the same enthusiasm towards it as I do today, and the same ideas. So I'm I'm don't regret dropping out. And it, I mean, I didn't used to say that I dropped out. I used to say that I um, had deterred. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just I'm yeah. I'm just deferring for. Oh, deferring. Can you? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> My word came wrong. When you said deterred, <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, deterred, and then like no deferred. <laughs> So <laughs> I think that I probably did that for for three years. I was saying, no, I'm just deferring. Yeah, yeah, that was it. That was it. I'm just going to, yeah, I'm not. No, do you at uni? No, I've deferred. I'm just waiting for Henry to get a bit older and then I'm absolutely. Yeah, I could go back. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I still think, you know, I'm learning about all these different fields and things and there's a lot more going on and there's a lot of things that you can study and there's new degrees popping up and it's, um, might even I might even turn to a field that's completely different to fine arts to study as you know something that I can use towards my my art and my art practice. Absolutely, and I I think too that there are so many 
different just even going through with this uh, podcast project I had no idea how multifaceted it was how many different things were possible um, different tools having different potentials and that each and every one thing you know playing with the super 8 camera um, taking photographic documentation of the artists I mean it's like each one of those things is is an art form hmm. and dedicating yourself to there's just so much to learn there's so much to learn there's so yeah. much to do how exciting is it yeah incredibly exciting it's nice as well to kind of um go out and seek it yourself as well instead of I mean I loved I love I love some of the assignments that I did but I think you work so hard on an assignment it's finished it's marked you get told you know just how good it was mm. and then you put it under your bed or something and you don't see it again you know yeah. but it was really cool to be able to travel and um yeah how long did you travel for uh about four years <sighs> yeah so I'd um I'd deferred I, I dropped out um when I was 19 of uni and then I yeah I just went traveling from there and came back when I was 23 wow yeah so it was um it so was you're just yeah oh, I'm just going just going yeah I came back for Christmas one year but then I went away again. Oh. yeah <laughs> so where did you go where were you all over yeah I uh I started off in Asia I spent quite a while around there and then I um went to what were the machines like in Asia oh yeah very interesting but they weren't you know I didn't realize they were machines that I was painting then mm. but I did a few of my first murals in Asia that's where it all kind of started because it was it was really cool because I felt kind of when I was at art school I felt like there were so many people around me and everyone wanted the same thing and we kept getting told you know we're not People were asking, you know, what kind of careers could this lead to by doing this degree? And they say, you know, art is changing all the time. We can't really tell you that you're going to be able to get a career or what kind of career it could be. So it was really kind of scary of when, when I was 18 and, and unsure. And when I went travelling, it was, it was crazy because I'd stay in hostels and everyone would be looking for artists for doing murals on their walls and um, doing kind of these films to promote the place where you could take lots of really nice films around the area. And I I just felt so needed all of a sudden. And I my art was progressing as I was doing these murals for people and I was also helping people at the same time. So it just, yeah, it was really those years in Asia, I, I was there for about two years. They were really, really great just for you know, getting better at art and also just travelling around and meeting people and lots of people were very inspiring and I feel like I learned a lot of different things in that time. Do you think that you go back? Definitely. I mean, I kept I kept going back to the same places. I did a lot of um, couch surfing and volunteering. So I got to meet, spend a bit more time with people and families and get to know them better. There was um, a place that I stayed in Malaysia where they were setting up an art centre and it was just really um, at, at the beginning, at the early stages and I, I helped get the website up to 
to get more volunteers in and um, set up oh, the space and bring in some art supplies. And I did a few adult and children classes for plasticine. Yes, you were saying about your stop motion yeah. animation. Yeah. That must require so much patience. <laughs> yeah, I did that more at uni because I had the um, facilities and stuff to do it. But I, it, it is it's something that I just love to do because it's, it's giving um, – it's really bringing these characters to life, yeah. giving them, you know, movement and sound. It's very fun. Sometimes when I'm looking at my own work and I start to sort of branch out into different mediums, I, I think, okay, what's the, what's the thread? What is the, what is the voice? What is the connector? But when I look at you and your work and I talk to you, it's just so clear you know, these these characters and the narrative and the whimsy and the it's um it's amazing to see them translate in, in so many different ways. Yeah. Know? Yeah, I love I love um I think I'd get bored. No, I wouldn't get bored, that that's not true. <laughs> but I I really love changing um different to from between mediums, you know, it's just it's fun that way, and I feel like I'm always learning different techniques in different mediums. I think that that's very anti-institution as well because, <laughs> you know, I, there's this idea that you pick a medium, preferably painting or whatever, and you commit to it and you hone your skills and you and you just do that. I couldn't do that. There's a different medium for every mood. You know, if I'm stressed yes. and I really need to blow off some steam, I'll do charcoal and I'll go scratch it all out and do these big crazy things. Or if I'm feeling really, you know, ready to to focus and do something a little bit, I don't know, that, you know, a little bit less wild and uh, messy I, I'd do a, a, I'd do acrylic paint and then you know watercolor is also really fun to play with as well because it's you know I'm terrified of watercolor I love it so much I love how uncooperative it's, it can yeah, be yeah it's so fluid <laughs> what what do I do with you you're like oh yep I guess it looks like that now <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that's probably a big part of the reason that your characters are so fully formed is that you've worked with them and created them in so many different ways you've seen them from so many different angles yeah yeah I, I, they're my little friends <laughs> what are you gonna look like today friend yeah. oh maybe charcoal oh cool <laughs> it's interesting too because while your practice and and Tim's practice are so different um, when I was talking to Tim, there was this there was this moment where I thought, oh, wait, I see the overlap. It's interesting, isn't it? I had that yeah. moment last year where I went, oh my gosh, we're actually coming from the same place here. Yeah, it's really even though it, it presents so differently. Yeah, it's yeah, it's amazing how close they are. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very interesting, you know, with all his. Um, thinking about all the machines that cause mm. um, damage to the bush and, and how they're leading to bushfires and things like that. There's just um, a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of similarities there. I think that um, with those similarities it must be 
even if it's a subconscious thing, this playing off each other, you know, working with similar themes and how they how they come up and having different work, but sort of seeing how his work develops and him seeing how your work is developing and yeah. all of these different tangents. It's interesting though because we had these ideas before we, you know, got together and talked about it, but it definitely is interesting to hear um, hear each other out as our ideas grow because it goes, oh, yeah, I think that too. Oh, yeah, that's quite interesting, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, oh, I wanted to go back actually to you had spent some time in Asia. Yeah, sorry, I didn't and finish then, that. Did no, I? no, no, I went off on another tangent. Um, where did you go from there? I um, I went to Europe to try to um, um, get a little bit of money because <laughs> <laughs> I was running pretty low and I thought, ah, oh, I don't really want to go home broke. I want to. I want to keep going. So, kind of uh, spent a few years in Europe trying. To, actually, I think I just spent about one year in Europe and did this, did a bit of this, did a little bit of that, <laughs> and then I went to America. Which was a crazy, really weird experience. Really? Yeah, very crazy. Very. Um, uh, I wasn't expecting to go, and then I went, and then it was just like. Definitely a roller coaster of a time. I don't even know if it's, how to like um, describe it, but yeah. it was it was crazy. I went, I flew into New York and did a road trip with my ex boyfriend up to um, the north of America, and then went back to New York and then broke up with him, and then <gasps> um, took separate planes. <laughs> yeah, I just I thought I'm not going home now. Um, I, I I'm not leaving America on this note, so I flew to California because. When I was in New York, I noticed in the shop that all of the fruit was coming from California and so was all the wine. So I thought, yep. I'm going to follow the fruit. And wine. Yeah. I love those things. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where I went. And, um, yeah, made it as far as Mexico for a few days and then came back and then went back to Europe, um, did a little bit of this, did a little bit of that, <laughs> went to England and stuff. And um, then I went back through Asia pretty briefly and then came home last um I came home for Christmas 2019 because I promised everyone a year before that I would and then I thought damn it I've still got a bit of travel in me but I promised everyone but then I came back and I went oh yeah this is lovely isn't it mm. I haven't seen you guys in ages <laughs> family oh, crazy which is it was really nice to see everyone and yeah. come back but uh yeah I had planned to leave again um the following April but then there was the brum, brum, <laughs> the coronavirus. Yeah, yeah, no more travel. Yeah, but it was, um, I mean, it worked out pretty, in, it, it all played out quite interestingly for me because I hadn't really, um, I'd, I'd been doing murals and things like that for other people, but I hadn't really had time to focus on my practice on my on my whole art practice and give myself a bit of time and I always thought oh yeah I'll settle eventually I'll do an art residency I'll I'll get a studio something like that it'll be fine but I'll just keep traveling I'll just see this place I'll just see this place and then suddenly I was forced to stop and actually do that and I thought well I better actually do what I said I was going to do eventually otherwise I'm just you know 
a hypocrite, aren't I? Because <laughs> now I can't see this place. So I started really getting into doing art and that um, coincided with me meeting Tim again. I I'm, I'm met him actually years before but I met him again and um, we got together and he was just very, um, just so helpful. I just I have a lot to thank for Tim because he's been here in all those years that I was travelling and he did his degree and he did his um, honours and just has taken so much from the degree. He showed me exactly, you know, what <laughs> what I was blown away when I was there. <laughs> and, and, and also, you know, I always used to say, oh, yeah, university, poof, don't eat it. And then... Um, I, he showed me that I was actually quite wrong because mm-hmm. it's it is it's so good for some people and he took everything out of it that you can and he did so well for himself so um, he's just really been super helpful for me in this past year and helped me with applications for different things and showing always um, showing me things that are popping up that I should apply for and and just always you know being super supportive if I'm working on something for a while and I'm tired and, you know, it's just it's, it's so great to have him. It's, it's, I don't think I'd be where I am now without his support. Oh, that's just, um, that's just really, really nice. Yeah. So I, I'm, not, I'm so happy to stay settled for a while but we've, um, I'm also... We've made this plan to go travelling around Australia. <laughs> and this is so funny because I I always get like this just before going away, especially when I was travelling and I stayed somewhere for a couple of months. I'd go, oh, but I like it here. I don't want to go. I actually think it's quite nice. Maybe maybe I should delay the, the trip. But I'm thinking, no, as soon as I get going, it's going to be amazing. It will be amazing. Pretty excited. I think there's something... Something quite special about exploring your own country. Yeah, you know, there's so many, so many secret places to explore. Yeah, exactly. It's and and somewhere that I've never really explored, in, and it's it's just always been been here. And yeah. um, to get to explore it with Tim will be really special. Yeah, because we've done a lot of um, exploring around Tasmania this year. A lot of places. I've been just in, you know, my own state that I've never been to before and I've been to all these different countries. Mm. So it's it's nice to be with him because we've got very similar interests when we travel. We like to see the same kind of places. And yeah. So terribly slow phone but people can find you on Instagram. Terribly slow phone but people can find me on Instagram, <laughs> believe it or not. I just got one. I used to have one when I was a teenager and it got hacked. <laughs> oh. And that was a blessing in disguise because I yes. stopped using it. So Saved for, you. Thank goodness for all my travels before I didn't have it so I didn't have anything like anchoring me back down to this dreadful, te- technological, stressful world. <laughs> I think with that escape from it I got to create this story. But, Ooh. yeah, I've got it now. I try really hard not to get um, enslaved by it but it does happen occasionally. It's pretty stressful Ooh. when it happens too because I go, why have I been spending all this time on Instagram? I just wanted to make a post and log off and here I am. I don't care what you had for lunch. Oh, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. And it's a lot of, I don't know if it's just the people that I follow 
but a lot of ass. <laughs> like a lot, a lot of bums. I don't see that many bums. I see so many bums. I don't see I don't know if it's a... It's definitely Maybe you. I need to... Maybe you need to unfollow some people. Yeah. <laughs> I see a lot of art, which is good. So at least if yes. I am wasting time on Instagram, yes. I'm just like it's looking through. It's somewhat inspiring. Um, yeah. So it doesn't seem completely... Uh, yeah. But it is, it's totally, it's totally <coughs> exhausting. Um, yeah, and I always walk away from, if I spend a bit too much time on it, I always walk away with a bit of a headache. You feel kind of brain dead? Like, a little bit groggy? Yeah, and it's, oh, that's, that, that that's a scary thing, I think, because, you know, that you would expect to feel a little bit groggy if you woke up from an afternoon nap. Or if you took some cold and flu medicine, mm. but it, it, what it, oh, this tiny leech? Yeah, it, it, it pulls at the back of your scalp. It pulls you away from reality into yeah. a, into a completely different one, and and all your yeah. memories and experiences are just intertwined with that reality instead of mm. what's in front of you know the world. So even with that people can find you in an alternate reality on Instagram. <laughs> and do you have a website or um, anywhere else that people can? I think I'll make a website once I build up a bit more content. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, just like with Tim, if they see you in the middle of Australia, people can come and say hi. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Who's coming to say hi? Who's Just, seeing yeah, me in people, Australia? People in the middle of Australia that might see oh, Jim yeah. and Caitlin. Oh, yeah. If you spot me um, painting a big mural in the middle of Australia when you're, you know, just casually wandering about the place, <laughs> come say hello. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know what my monster's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know what they're talking about. Well, they just gurgle. Nonsense most of the time. <laughs> Flibbly, intelligent? <laughs> um, intelligent in their own right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In their own language and, and world and form. A bit of schlub, a libbity bop. Schlubbity hook. Schlubbity bop. So is that your language that you <laughs> made up in kindergarten? Uh, Do you remember what it was? I remember a few words from my made-up language in okay. kindergarten. Can you tell me? Yep. Um, so there was um, females and males in this world and um, the males were called boogie bars <laughs> and the females were called hollybirds. And I oh, know that hollybirds really... had had a beak and a feather on their head, and boogie bars were very wide and hairy. Um, I don't. There's one more word, but I don't actually remember. I just have been told by my grandparents that I said it a lot, and it was baidu baidu, <laughs> baidu baidu. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what that means. <laughs> boogie bars sounds yeah. like a like a protein supplement. <laughs> Come get your boogie bar today. <laughs> so I feel Would like you like rock hard abs? Yeah, I feel like that's super appropriate for the boys, for the lads. <laughs> boogie bar. <laughs> Oi, boys. Couple of boogie bars. <laughs> and the hollybirds. Watch out for the hollybirds. Woof. 
I'll swoop right in and swish, I don't know. <laughs> Something will definitely happen though. Yeah. <laughs> Thank so, you so much for doing this with me. I'm so sorry. I feel like um, majority of it has been utter nonsense. No, I love it. <laughs> I guess I that's what it. you get though when you ask to talk to me. <laughs> I don't think it could have been any other way. I don't think so either. <laughs> Unless I was you hadn't had a coffee today, then I would have said... Hi, <laughs> I'm yeah. Caitlin. What do you want? <laughs> yeah, I really, I really appreciate it. I'm so glad that I was able to catch you guys before yeah. you went on your next big adventure. Yeah, no, I'm so, um, it's been really nice talking to you this time and, and nice to talk for a bit longer too because I feel like I was so nervous last time. So it, maybe it was a bit of a warm up. I was really nervous as well because I hadn't, I hadn't done anything like that before. I was interviewing like lots of, not interviewing, but recording with lots of different people in a row. And I, I, I felt like I was hyper aware that I didn't want to be intruding. Yeah. And it was, but now I think, oh, I don't know, that was, it was a lot of fun. I could totally do that again. Yeah, you know? definitely. Yeah. It, there's a lot of exhibitions that come through Queenstown. So, oh, I didn't say what my connection with Queenstown, but you've already said goodbye. Oh, no, no, tell me. <laughs> tell me. Your, tell me about your connection with Queenstown. Yes, I actually have a really crazy connection with Queenstown. Um, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Queenstown because my parents met here. Were you conceived at the Empire Hotel? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Bloody hope not. Oh I don't want to think God. about that. Yeah, um, I... My my mum was um, first year out teaching, I think. Sorry, mum, if I'm wrong. Um, and my dad was a geologist here working on at the mine. So, um, yeah, they just uh, met each other here and um, sparks flew, I guess. And They fell in love in Queenstown. They fell in love in Queenstown. And I'd never been to Queenstown until I did the residency, so I, it meant a lot for me to come here and see it. Do they have any photos of them here? Um, probably. I don't. I actually don't know, but I'm sure that they would have. Yeah. I would love to see young love blossoming <laughs> in the moonscape in the Queenstown moonscape. <laughs> yeah. The idea that someone would come to Queenstown and find love is like. So bizarre. It, it feels really bizarre. <laughs> no. Well, I think it used to be a little bit different because the mine, um, because the mine's shut down now. So it used to be actually. It really happened in place. Yeah, like it, it was a working mine and um, lots of young teachers would come here too because they'd have to do like rural placement. That's yeah. what my mum did. So, <clears throat> sorry. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, they were both quite young. And it was, yeah, my mum's first year teaching and it was all very new and exciting and they met each other. Oh, my gosh. And how wait, how long after meeting in Queenstown were you born? Okay. Oh, yeah, quite a while afterwards because they actually, yeah. they, got, they got married when my mum was 23 and my dad was 24, um, which wouldn't have been too much later because I think first, I think it was... When you, yeah, she would have been early 20s when she started teaching. So it wouldn't have been that much, that long after that they got married. And then um, 
after they got married, they moved to Queensland and then went travelling and then I was born in Queensland when my mum was 30. So a while after. <laughs> a while. I don't know how it sounded oh, like that. I think it's just um, <laughs> this story that's ranging from the meet cute in Queenstown to Queensland to Tom Price to uh, <laughs> just Back all, to Tassie. Over, all over. Yeah. Um, my dad got a lot of redundancies, so oh. we travelled all over because of that. Got really lucky. <laughs> not like, I don't know. Not lucky. Or lucky. Kind of, yeah, lucky because we got to travel. We got to move to so many different places. Yeah. I could have been, if we didn't, if we didn't get his first redundancy in New Zealand, then I might have been speaking today with a Kiwi accent. (laughs) (laughs) Fashion chips. (laughs) I was just about to say, I'm sure you could pull one off. (laughs) No, that's all I can say. But I I think I pulled it off. Yeah, you did really well. (laughs) Super tricky. Oh, okay. Okay. Okay, time to say goodbye. Um, Wrap it up. That's a wrap. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for this. No, thank you. It's been it's been really fun. Yeah, it's been really nice. I have thoroughly enjoyed myself. Yes, and we'll have to unpack all of the wonderful things that you collect on your travels. Yeah, who knows? We've got a few tricks up our sleeve. Yeah. We might um, try to do the one of the million projects that I have in my brain. They're, I mean, they never go away, do they? They're just <laughs> constantly flowing in. The list gets bigger and bigger. <laughs> you think, yeah, I've just, I've just done something, but it's, it's not enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do more. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, which makes me think of actually Tim's machine. You know, when it's he was talking about when it's moving and then it and it keeps going but it starts to stutter and fail and I feel like oh. that's what artists generally do is that they just keep piling it on like just <laughs> no, keep going the just... load's getting heavy but it's fine <laughs> it's fine it's I love okay. I want to do this <laughs> I want this I I promise yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no nah, I do want it. it's lovely yeah it's it great fun it is I wouldn't have it any other way hopefully unless I you know, a couple of years' time, I go, nah, <laughs> I don't want to talk to you. Don't want to do art anymore. Bugger it. Nah, I don't think I could do that. No, I don't think you can ever just cut it out. No. I think it's just something that you've, that, you, that I've, it's, just, it's just with me all the time. If there's a pen and a paper around me, I will be doing a little doodle. <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> okay. Um... That's a wrap. That's a wrap. (laughs) (laughs) This was local. This project would not be possible without the incredible community of folks who make time to chat, nor would it be possible without the tremendous support of the West Coast community. If this episode offered you something good, please consider rating the show via Apple Podcasts. The podcast is produced by Carter Pierce and myself. Digital media is supported by Tess Gilfeder. Our artwork was made by Gigi Gortz. The podcast is funded in part by the Regional Arts Fund. For more information on the podcast and its guests, please go to localthepodcast.com 
or local the podcast on Facebook and Instagram.